Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> it was a bit quick. It was the jackrabbit technique, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was it was the, it was the length of that you, the way it just carried on kept Brilliant. going you need to just loop that Owen for like two minutes <laughs> we'll get James Yule to remix it <laughs> sorry Owen I couldn't resist <laughs> it's been ages since we've done that not Figuratively, not me and you together. <laughs> yeah. That's a completely different game. That's oh, that's. Uh, mm. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I am Steve Norman. This week I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And other people this week, Owen. Yeah, not just you and me again. No, we have other people in in the meta in the metaphorical room. Yeah. Um, because we don't record this all in the same place. You're giving oh, don't tell everyone, Steve. I'm sure nobody can tell from the quality of this this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, the menagerie of accents we have probably lends to the fact that we don't record in the same place. We're, well, you know, Fire Critics HQ might be a very cosmopolitan sort of place. Anyway, on the podcast with us this week, um, we have watcher of absolute terrible British gangster films, Paul Field. <laughs> Evening, fellas. Evening. And the man who's been on more podcasts than I've had hot dinners, Tony Black. <laughs> Hello, hello. Uh, it's true. To be fair, that is true. I, I, I will just say, you, I've been paid very little to be on this podcast and to tell everyone that Steve and Owen do have friends, and I think I should get paid more. Really, by by, by very little, you mean nothing. Yeah, by little more, you you could mean you know one pence. By one pence, I can give you yeah. more nothing. Oh well, more nothing. Tempting yeah. as that is, yeah, you can have all the nothing that you want. <laughs> Um, but yes, before we get underway with the podcast um, in in full, firstly, we won't be doing a news section this week because nothing's happened. Well, well. Li- literally, in the world of film and television uh, and entertainment media, nothing has happened. No, nothing all. that we are going to talk about anyway. I mean, yeah. I'm sure more people have probably died. We've given yeah, up on I, well, I, 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 I saw. I saw the woman who played the oldest Von Trapp daughter in Sound of Music. She died. There you and go. Game of Thrones won lots of Emmys. See, so there is news. There is news. We're yeah. just not being. Just, we just asked don't care. Yeah. 
It doesn't involve Star Wars or superheroes, so why should we cover it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess the only real bit of news for us is Underground Knights is now that, that officially smooth. its own separate show from Foul Critics. We've let Paul on the loose. We've unchained Paul and James Moninger, and they're going to talk to Lloyd Kaufman on the next episode of the show, along with um, Dylan Greenberg, who's a director at Troma, alongside Lloyd. Um, how was that, Paul? How was that, recording that interview? It was um, crazy. Uh, it was <laughs> It was absolutely... I mean, when you get to hear it, and I, I hope people do take the time to listen to it, because... It's pretty hilarious, and Lloyd Kaufman is an, an absolute gent, and very much in my wheelhouse, very much in my mindset. Some of the stuff he comes out with is absolutely priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, even this week, in fact, during the recording, we'd said um, that we'd send him a cop- copy of the Profanosaurus, the Viz book, and uh, Julie, he received it, and this week he's been posting video clips of himself reading from the <laughs> Profanosaurus. <laughs> He's, he's an absolute legend and he's really interesting and you know, he's worked with some amazing people in his career and he's kind of set many many people on Hollywood who you might not expect on their sort of career path so yeah yeah. so that'll be uh, well, you, can, you can still go to foulcritics.com forward slash underground hyphen nights um, to sort of read about underground nights and get all the episodes from there uh, but it will also be fingers crossed by the time this podcast podcast goes out, maybe later in the week, uh, it'll be able you'll be able to find it on iTunes as well, separate from uh, from Foul Critics. We've also got a clip on YouTube, um, which is just like a little bit of a teaser clip, and then the full episode will be out, um, like I say, later in the week with uh, Dave Valentine also joined you. Chris, yes, Chris Packett, sh- Dave. Chris Packett, Dave. We yeah. we talk about um, VHS, mm-hmm. um, about collecting, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's quite interesting. James and Dave, proper hardcore VHS collectors. Me, not so much. I've moved <laughs> on to Laserdisc. Yeah, you're ahead <laughs> of the curve. Way ahead. I mean, if if people want to to kind of picture this this split in their mind, it's kind of like we're Monday right Night Raw and they're Friday Night Smackdown. <laughs> if you like, yeah. I think that's um yeah. I think that's a fair We're the original. And I think yeah. you're 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 the archers and we're Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> that may be a more accurate a... <laughs> analogy, yeah. Mm. Um, well, you know, if you want to tune in and listen to a seventy year old man having his uh, Willie played with, <clears throat> we're the podcast for you. <laughs> and if you want to listen to a twenty nine year old man no, hang on, let's <laughs> It's, um, yes, so, uh, mm, right, um, should we do a quiz? Yes, please. Mm, yes. Yes, and I, I believe it's one all. We haven't done a quiz for a, a week or so, have we, because it was missed me and you last week, and that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Well, we could have that tried just, it, but it was... It, it was just been me asking you questions. Yeah, like Mastermind. Yeah. Oh, I should have just had a favourite subject. If you were on Mastermind, have you got anything you think would be your like chosen subject? What, fil- film-wise or... Anything. If you were good, if you were invited on to do Mastermind, as you know, when they have the celebrity editions and they were going to get celebrity Steve Norman from Vale Critics, what would be your chosen subject? Hmm. 
The life and times of Steve Norman, if I can pick it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty well. No, because then they tricked me and get the, sp- the Spando ballet saxophonist <laughs> and throw me out. I keep telling my mum. I keep. I'm adamant with my mum that I was named after him. She won't have it. <laughs> but I still think. Uh, um, yeah. Um, it would probably be either the original Star Wars trilogy. But nothing technical, just like all about the plot and stuff and characters. How many um, parsecs does it take to do the Kessel Run? Twelve. Good lad. That was <laughs> quick, that was. Yeah, that me, was me, me, you and Chris Packett Dave will be back for Rogue One and we won't let Owen on again. I mean, you're Absolutely. saying it's quick, but by the time I've edited this and put a really long pause... <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and found footage of Steve saying ten, nine and six. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or, or something like Premier League football between 1998 and 2003. Who won the FA Cup final in 2002, Steve? I said Premier League football. Oh, sorry, who won the <laughs> Premier League in 2002? Um, I think it was Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, got a clue. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm a Palace fan, um, we probably weren't While there. we're on this end, what would, what would everyone else's specialist subjects be? Mine's easy, Depeche Mode. Right. It's the only thing I know anything about. Don't know anything about films. Uh, Franco-Prussian War. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably be, uh, probably be James Bond, more than likely. Owen, uh, Yvette Rowland. Who is <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea who that is. She's the producer and star of both Mob Handed and Killer Bits. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, if you win, if you lose the quiz, you'll know who all about you Yvette Rowland. You will get to know her very intimately. Oh yes. Well, I can't lose this week because it's only one all at the moment. Um, but I'm quizzing, and it's um, Paul and Tony playing on my behalf versus Owen playing on his own behalf. And um, with um, many of these awful London gangster films that have been trying to make us watch lately, featuring people who have been in EastEnders at some point in their long and distinguished careers, this is going to be to do with... Um, Film stars in soaps. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, there's a variation of types of question. First one is Robert Kaczynski, who has been in the likes of Pacific Rim. Which character did he play in EastEnders? I know. Well, then say it, Tony. Oh, okay. Um, Sean's later. Yes, he was, he was Sean Slater, so it's 1-0. Steve, I didn't even know you was in EastEnders, let alone which character he played. <laughs> this is going to be a, not great for me. I ain't got a clue who that is. So I don't it, know who he is. There's a variation of questions. So the, this, this, this first two, this one, the one just gone on the next one, a shout-out, the answer, and the other ones, there's two multiple choices, and then there's a couple of true or false ones because I was being really varied in this quiz. Different rounds. Um, so the next one uh, is, again, shout-out when you know the answer. Ben Hardy, who has been in the in a couple of the most recent X Men movies, uh, who did he play in EastEnders? Peter Beale. Tony Black knows his EastEnders. <laughs> That's your <laughs> specialist subject on Mastermind. The last time I watched EastEnders, Wellard was in it. <laughs> he dead. He dead. Wellard's not gone. dead. Fuck off. Wellard will never die. One of the answers is like Dot Cotton, I think, or Dirty Den. That's a barely. And those are the only two. Dirty so. Dot. I, I, do you know what? I do tell a lie because I think it was, I don't know what year it was, when Danny Dyer appeared on New Year's Eve in EastEnders, I watched that episode and cheered when he came on screen and then never watched it he, since. He, yeah, he he is very much living up to expectations in EastEnders. 
You're, you're going to find this hard to believe, though, right? I genuinely haven't watched EastEnders for 10 years, yet I know almost everything that has happened. And I don't know why. It's just... It, well, I, the thing the, is, the internet... with, 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 the, with the soaps, you, you can work out what's happening. You can have a good knowledge of what's happening without actually watching them, just by reading the yeah. next week's TV guide. Exactly. So I know all these names and facts and plot lines, and they're all shit, and I would never watch it, and I, I have all this useless information. For once, there's a point to it. I'm excited. Well, well there will there be a point I, to I it? I actually want to lose this, because we didn't want Steve to lose the quiz, Tony. <laughs> well, Tony's put you two... Nobody Tony's told put, me this. <laughs> Tony's put you two nil up. And next one is, is the next two questions, true or false. Margot Robbie, before... Um, hitting on a big film career, was in Home and Away. True or false? False. False goes Owen. Tony and Paul? Oh, oh, I ain't got a Scooby. What do you think, Paul? Well, true, obviously. Because <laughs> I, I always get every question wrong. So. <laughs> no, it was it was false. She was actually in Neighbours. Ah. <laughs> yes! Sneaky. So, yes, 2-1 two, two, now to Team Paul... And Tony. Come on, Owen. Uh, the next mm. question, true or false again. Ben Kingsley was in Coronation Street. True. True, says Owen. I think that might be true, you know. Yeah, I think it's true. It but is long true. ago. Yeah. It, is in, it is true. In 1966, he played a character called yeah. Ron Jenkins. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that character. I'm not that good. No, that was just, that was just off Google. Any questions about Betty's hot pot? Um, hmm. Anything on Ina Sharples? <laughs> no. 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 Was that the last checking. time you watched Coronation Street, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Paul is, Paul is considerably is. the oldest person on this podcast tonight. No, so the last time I watched it, who's that bird with the absolutely massive tits? Is it, is it Saran Jones? Is that her name? <laughs> probably. There's probably been a few yeah. birds with big norks yeah. on Corrie. <laughs> It was a long time ago. Anyway, uh, so it's 3-2 to, to uh, Paul and Tony. And the next two questions... If the next question's about Benny from Crossroads, I think we're yeah. going to be the chance. Next question, <laughs> the next questions are multiple choice. How many episodes of Neighbours did Russell Crowe feature in? Was it four, 14, or 40? Ooh. Oof. I know he was in it, but for how long? Well, you know um... he was in it because I just told you as part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And none of the options were zero, so four, I think. And what are the other ones going for? Fourteen, maybe. What do you, what do you think, Paul? Clue <laughs> forty. <laughs> forty. It's a nice, solid round number. It, it was Go four. On, ah, hey. it was four. So it's oh, now man. three apiece. Going into this the is, last question is very tense. Um, back in 1973, how many episodes of Corrie? Did Joanna Lumley feature in eight, eighteen, or thirty-six? Now, now she, I know, now I do know, right? Obviously, I wasn't alive at that point, but I know she played Ken Barlow's girlfriend. Paul, were you so, alive at that point? How old were you? <laughs> uh, I was three, but I can tell you now, I would have been plonked in front of the telly watching it because my mum and dad watched it. Well, you should know this then, Paul. Three, you should be able to take that in. Thirty-six. Three. Three wasn't an option. Listen, listen again, <laughs> listen option? again, 36. listen again, 8, 18, or 36. <laughs> now, if you both want to revise your guesses uh, based on listening to the question fucking properly. <laughs> um, 8. 
And team team Paul Tony? Used to thirty six. Owen has, yeah. Owen has you listened to the answers for I gave him, I gave him the option to to re guess as they didn't listen. But anyway, Owen, you were right. You've come from behind out of nowhere Whoa. after being two 0 down oh. to Tony's East Enders knowledge to win four three and take a two one lead in the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you edit East End with us properly. Kill a bitch draws ever closer, mm. Steve. Yes, I'm going to think of a good quiz next week that I, makes me not lose. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been onto a winner about soaps. I, I don't watch any of them. I didn't have a clue about any of them. I ain't got Paul, are you on, uh, Paul, are you on next week? No, mate. It's going to make it Star Wars quiz, so you wouldn't want to lose because <laughs> you want to save face. No one wouldn't win because he knows nothing about it. Anyway, um, yes, that was the quiz, and I'm now ever closer to watching Kill... Keith or something, the bitch. <laughs> that, that would be a, that would be a bit of a result compared to Killer Bitch. I don't know. I've seen Killer Keith twice now. You've seen Kill Keith twice. Yes, yeah, so me and I just we... went for a cycle of making each other watch it. <laughs> we just became really spiteful to each other. <laughs> oh, it did get really pathetic for a bit, didn't it? <laughs> Oh dear. Time now for what we've been watching where we have a look at the films we've seen in the last seven days or so that might not have been new releases in the cinema. Me and Paul have taken a trip on the train to Korea, haven't we? We have. To see Last Train to Boot... I keep thinking it's Last Train, it's not, is it? No, it's just it's Train, just train to, Busan. to Busan. I always, I, <laughs> since I heard about the film, in my mind, it's Last Train. What is, there is a Last Train to something, isn't there? Uh, last Train to Yuma? No. No, it's 310 to Yuma. 310 there was, to Yuma. <laughs> there, was a, there was a TV show on ITV in the 90s called Last Train. I, I remember that. Yeah, Last Train. It was about an asteroid had hit the Earth and this woman was on the train and she had some stuff that froze people in time until everything sort of got back to normal, wasn't that? And it all took place in Sheffield. Yes, a lot of it was in yeah. Sheffield. <laughs> it's true, we're not making that up. No, I, I remember it being quite good, but I don't know if that will still be true if I had to watch it today. Yeah. Did the KLF do Last Train to Transcentral? Could be that. Last Tango in Halifax is a thing. Yes, but none of these are a train to Busan, Steve. No, <laughs> no. No. Uh, Although, to... if you got the last train to Sheffield, it would be full of zombies. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, so, yeah, Train to Busan is a Korean zombie film. Isn't that right, Paul? It is. Carry this for a bit, because you'll probably be able to tell me more about the director and the actors it's, and that. It's a South Korean zombie apocalypse thriller, um, directed by uh, Yon Sang-ho. I, I could tell you who's in it, but it won't mean anything. Um it's it's a really interesting story to do the kind of the whole zombie apocalypse, but fe- focus the whole story around passengers on a train. Obviously, they're they're aware of pretty early on of w- what's happening, what's going on. The train itself becomes infected, um, and they they're on this mission to get the train to Busan, where they believe you know it, it's clear and safe, and the kind of mishaps and adventures they have on the way. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun, uh, uh, especially because of, of the zombies. They, they moved really quickly and they, they tended to herd. 
and they were they were just relentless. If they saw motion or noise, they wouldn't stop. So it meant that they would pile up on each other. They would jump out of windows, fall off ledges. They did not care. They would just like a beacon. They would head towards that um, movement or noise. And, and I thought that was really effective and worked yeah, really well and, was, and led to some, some good paced. laughs as well. Um, yeah, the actual, because the zombies felt like an actual threat as well. Like when you get some zombie films where they're kind of just slow and lumbering, you can kind of feel yeah, no, I, I, Yeah, absolutely. I, I, to be honest, if you want to sort of, you know, tension, then you want your zom- zombies to be fast moving. And I think the, the really clever trick in this was, was the darkness, which, which in a way, um, it shuts them off, doesn't it? They don't know what's going on. And they were able to, when they went through tunnels, they were able to creep around and get past the zombies. And I thought that was genius. You could, I could almost, the atmosphere and the tension, because you're not sure how long those tunnels are going to last until they're going to kind of reanimate. I think it looked really good as well. And I'm always surprised when I watch a, a foreign film or even a British film and it, and it looks really good in terms of effects and everything because you kind of think that Hollywood's the only real place where they had the budget to kind of do all this stuff. And then you watch films from other places, you think, well, actually, no. You probably can make it look quite good. You don't need Hollywood budgets for everything. It, it was very Korean, though, by yeah. virtue of the, the kind of the cast and the characters they assembled on the train to the, you know, you've got the fund manager, his daughter, the guy with the pregnant wife, the Korean baseball team. It, you know, it yeah, ticks it was, a lot it, it, of boxes. I, I, I did, I did like the way it kind of assembled a team of people who were all different into club banded together, but it was also quite predictable as well that you're going to have, you know, a nice, a nice family man and a young daughter and someone who's a bit of a dick and two kids and a pregnant person and a religious person and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah. quite predictable, but it was still quite fun. You you get that. Korean films, a lot of them, you, you're going to get a lot of tropes that are very, very localised. None more so, though, in this, with the scene near the end where one of the protagonists has uh, gets bitten and then the melancholic music starts up you get the full melodrama and it really pulls you out of the film did you do you know the bit i mean um yes i think so yeah the, the sort of that that standalone engine right at the end where it's pulling away yeah that that guy i was just i couldn't stop laughing i've got a sneaky suspicion for when it arrives here properly they may well change that and certainly the music it is so jarring and it's um, so Korean I just doing a bit of research around this one, does it really look like uh, Train to Busan 2 has been announced or greenlit ok I know there's a prequel already out which is a cartoon yeah, yeah I did read about that but no it seems like they, they might well be making a, a second one already yeah I'm all but for it's it gone, it's gone down really well, it's oh, been received really well really well don't get me wrong, it is, oh, it's such good fun. And the, the, the gore, the effects, the tension, the zombies. Being set on a train is genius. The trick with them, with the darkness and the tunnels, the whole thing works really, really well. And it's really entertaining. You just need to kind of look past the Koreanness of a few elements. While, while we're on zombies, 
Um, Owen, I don't even think you've started watching this yet, and I still can't believe you haven't. <laughs> but, but season three of Z Nation has started. Has, has it? Yeah. I'm I did th- watch the first episode, and it had a... Is it a zombie baby? Yes. In the first episode, I think. Um, I will watch it at some point. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, this this episode's got a boy who's been raised by crows. <laughs> well, it's not even the stupidest thing that I've seen in two seasons of it. A boy who was raised by crows. Yes, and I said it's not even the stupidest thing I've seen in two seasons of of Z Nation. <laughs> it's genuinely brilliant. It's it's made by Asylum, and it just mm-hmm. clearly does not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know to pander to their own audience, don't they? Yeah, just absolutely crazy stuff in it. And... Oh, it's it's mental. Yeah, like it's like The Walking Dead, dead on crack. Yeah, well, I t- speaking of The Walking Dead, uh, I still haven't watched the last season of that, but I have. I did watch the first season of Fear the Walking Dead. I banged Ugh. them all up and watched it all in one go. Fucking Ugh. dreadful. It's, yeah, I can't imagine trying to watch it all week by week. It's so, like, mind-numbingly tedious. There's no likeable characters in it. Yeah, I mean, they try to make people likeable or make you want to stick with them and find out more about their story, but they don't really do a good job of it. And then they throw in silly... Well, not silly, that undermines it, but they throw in these, like, character twists that are just, like, really lame... Like, suddenly, oh, didn't you realise that the black guy with the ship, it wasn't his ship, and he's gay? I mean, it's just like, come on, <laughs> really? <laughs> just You're, you're a TV is... guy, Tony. Do you, do you, have you watched Fear the Walking Dead? Do you like it? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was quite good. Um, I'm, I'm way behind The Walking Dead. I've only watched like, the first three seasons of that. But I don't know. I, th- I thought it, it had potential. I, li- I like the fact that it was a little bit different from The Walking Dead. I get I get a bit... The Walking Dead's a bit much sometimes. It's just so bleak. This one at least had a little bit more... I know it's going to get that way, but it had a little bit more different vibe to it, different location. And the fact is, the new season looks like it's going to go on the sea, and that's new. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, not, I'm not as well-versed in zombies as you guys are. So... It's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's prob- uh-huh. For me, that's fine, but you guys have seen a lot better zombie stuff than I have. I, well, the, I just the... maintain that zombies are a challenge that I could deal with. <laughs> <laughs> like an end-of-the-world scenario that I could manage. Yeah. It depends what kind of zombies we're talking about, though, doesn't it? Well, if they, the if Romero they, zombie. If they, if, a... they, if they run, I'm fucked. Exactly. Honest. If I they mean... can run and climb and just, you know, spread the virus if, just if, by... If, mate, if they run, if sign them and stick them up front. Well, yeah, it'd be better than some of <laughs> If they're remotely sentient, I'm buggered. Yeah. I mean, if they're just mindlessly ambling about, mm. go and live on top of a hill. A I steep to- hill. <laughs> I told you uh, at the start, before we started recording, I watched um, The Girl with All the Gifts this week, which I think is due out next week or the week after, maybe, um, which is kind of like a, a new British zombie film. With Paddy Considine in it, it's it's. Hang on, is this all oh, with Gemma Arterton? Yeah, with Gemma. The Arterton lovely Gemma well. Arterton, who's lovely. Yeah. The lovely mm-hmm. Gemma Arterton. She can't make a bad film. Um, no, it's not bad. It's not a bad film. It's just not a good one either. There's, it's like a really nice looking film, but it feels very sh- shitty when you're watching it. 
Like, there's no, that, that's not a very articulate word. I can try and think about how I'm going to phrase this better when we well, actually get review your thesaurus it. out. Okay, let's Google synonyms and we'll see what comes up. What? Google, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, zombie. Fe- I mean, the Fear the Walking Dead, the second season started. I haven't even begun to watch it yet. I'm doing the same thing again. I will watch it all. I'll just make sure I've got them all ready to go before I make a start on it. Um, yeah, Owen, so what have you watched this week? Well, Steve, I'm glad you asked, because um, it's the film that you will eventually be watching whenever I next win a quiz. I watched Killer Bitch, and <laughs> it's the f- if anyone listened to the podcast from a couple of weeks back, um, where we talked about Mob Handed, uh, which is a very low-budget crime gangster geezer movie about... Um, a woman who enlists a lot of criminals to help her take down some paedophiles. Killer Bitch is... I've no idea what it is. I know I have no idea what the plot to this film is, but it's made by the same person, Yvette Rowland. Um, I mean, I'll get, I've got the DVD right here on my hand. Yes, I have a DVD copy of it, probably the only one in existence. Uh, a beautiful woman has to take part in a deadly game in which she has to kill five people or all her friends and family will be murdered. I mean, that's what it says the plot is, but the plot is not... There's there's no way you would work out what the actual plot is without this little synopsis on the back of the DVD. Now, Paul... Yes. You made me watch I've seen this twice now. You've seen it... (laughs) Well, I watched it a while back, and I knew you were going to watch it, so I thought, fuck it, I'm going to rewatch it. Solidarity, brother. (laughs) Okay. So, what what do you think was your favourite scene? Was it the topless midget? Was it the cripple rape? I mean, <laughs> the topless dwarf tossing was amazing. Literally throwing a topless woman yep. who's about what four foot high. No, she wasn't even four foot, mate. She was a proper dwarf. She goes, <laughs> "What is it?" She she, she says, he, "He he likes fucking dwarves, and I like cocaine." So we came to an agreement. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Fair enough." I think it might be, you know, the guy who shoots all the charity collectors and he has that catchphrase, well, there's no point in use. And he just keeps shooting people. Um, Alex Reed, when he has sexy time, the noises he makes. (laughs) Is that the MMA fighter who used to dress dress up as a woman and go out with Jordan? Yes. Literally, just like every every cut to him having sex with Yvette Rowland. <laughs> when he like literally got his hand on top of her head, pushing her down, going, <laughs> it's so, so funny. So the so the, the woman who made the film put herself in these sex scenes with Alex. Reed. Yes. Well, it's inescapable because, because, for any woman in this film to be either naked or in a sex. Yeah, scene but like she she made this film and mm-hmm. she put herself in a sex scene with quite a good looking guy. Because mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, if this was the other way round. Mm-hmm. Some women would consider him good looking. I mean, I've not seen a picture of him his for years. His nose is wider than his face. It's not. <laughs> I think that's physically impossible. <laughs> well, yeah. well, this film is is notorious for that for that scene. For some reason, the tabloids yeah. back in '09 got hold of the fact that he was in a film where he's involved in a vile rape scene. Um, it is. It, it is vile. He starts by raping her. He doesn't rape her because Vet Rowland's on, on record as saying it's just rough sex. No, she's going, no, no, squirming, trying to get him off, and he just carries on. 
he pulls down his clo- his trousers and his pants before she's like even engaged at all. And it's just clearly a rape scene that turns into, oh yeah, but she loves it really. <laughs> it's horrible. It's really disgusting. The whole film is like that. It is, well, yeah, I mean, the whole film is horrendous. The problem is he dropped out of shooting the film and that just shut mm. down the thing for like six weeks. Um, and all those scenes with Jason Mariner, I'm going yeah. to iron you out, darling. Don't make me iron you out. They are, they are all cut in. I think they were all supposed to be um, his scenes. And mm. I have to say, my favourite scene is, do you know, um, Jason Mariner, he is a um, convicted football hooligan. He's a proper mm-hmm. nasty piece of work, Jason Mariner. And um, in one of the scenes, he irons out uh, the girl who was in a wheelchair, who really is in a wheelchair, who starred in El Dorado. Right. Just... I mean, it's the fact that he irons her out and then rolls off in a wheelchair afterwards as well. <laughs> it's the wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, if, to add insult to injury, he just nicks the wheelchair and for no reason just decides he's going to push himself along the floor and get out of there. It's like, it's played, and it's it's a violent rape and death scene. The bit where he's, he's getting a blowjob from some woman who, who he then shoots in the head and just finishes himself yep. off. Just, this is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. And it's like the film is designed purposefully to make people go, that's not okay, that's really not on that's just that's horrendous so that it gets this like publicity Hmm. this extra additional publicity and i think when it came out was it like third in hmv's charts because yeah, it's all over the papers for being you know for having alex reed in it for being rapey and violent having um the tagline was real violence real gangsters real hardcore sex well the opening scene is bend over isn't it yeah it is it's proper porn as well I mean, it's just like uh, the gratuitous shots of him just spitting on every single part of her yep. body. She's just covered in slop. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the thing is, Owen, right? I'm gonna. Yeah. I, maybe this says more about me, but I laughed all the way through. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I couldn't. I couldn't even laugh. I made Brooker watch. He this must have movie. laughed. He well, what we laughed at most, I think, were some of the um, comments uh, from people, the quotes that they used to try and sell it. Vile, depraved, bloody fantastic, and that's from Dave Gorzone, Dave Bora Gorzone, and I think Gorzone are some of the people who actually paid money to produce this as well. So it's a bit unfair, isn't it, to quote them? Then you've got an ultra-violent gangster film from the Sun. That's not a good thing, one way or the other, you know. Crackling with intensity from the people. Get to fuck, <laughs> is it? Crackling. And then ultra-violent from Daily Star. Which, you know, arguably it is ultra-violent. It's just an absolutely horrendous piece of misogynistic and sexist and just abhorrent shit. It really makes me angry that it courted the controversy and it succeeded. And it made these people money because it's it's just a disgusting piece of filth. Um, I loved it. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's so horrendous. It's just it is ridiculous exploitation cinema. And it's we just we don't do a lot of that in the UK. It has to be said. 
I mean, if this is American, you'd be going, oh, it's an exploitation film, it's fine. But because it's British and we don't typically go down that road, and not to this degree, it's just horrendously funny. I don't know if I would be saying that it was fine if if it was American. I just don't think it is. I don't think it is. I thought Mob Handed was bad. Do you think this is Um, worse than Mob Handed? Certainly in terms of its ethics. At least in Mob Handed, it's like... You know, they're trying to come up with some sort of justification Shaking. for, like, morally, <laughs> like, some reason why it's okay to kill some people. And this is just like, no, I'm just gonna, you know, make you kill people. And she, like, has this dilemma where she's like, oh, but I can't kill this guy. I don't think I should kill him. I don't want to kill people. And then she's just running around a corridor shooting some other random people. Killing other people stone dead is fine. But when it comes to this criminal, so oh, I don't know. Oh, and the other thing was fucking um, Dave Courtney and his wobbly bits. Oh, still, yeah, like, he sort of dangled his cock. Cock and balls just dangling away as he ran down some stairs in just a shirt. Courtney Cock? No, Dave Courtney. <laughs> Dave Courtney Cock. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That was a story. He'll iron you out, geezer. <laughs> fucking iron you out. Yeah. I just... Um, hated it so if you could never recommend a film to me again Paul <laughs> I don't. I just post them to you you don't get a choice they just yeah. turn up in your letterbox no. it's the last time I will give anything like this the light of day amen brother you say that but you've got it to look forward to yeah Paul uh, Steve so um well um Tony what have you seen? And was it well, better it, than that? It's going to the other end of the spectrum here. Because, like, we've gone from the sick depravity of Killer Bitch to, um, yeah, to Smallville. Uh, which is a bit of a leap. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been watching the, the Young Adventures of Clark Kent and Friends. Because um, a friend of mine does a podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, which is pretty good. Uh, and I've been listening to them and catching up on the show. Um, and I was picking them up for like a pound, a pound on Amazon, really dirt cheap, you know, uh, per box set. So me and uh, me and my girlfriend have been working through them every night for weeks now. So we're, we've just started season four, and there's ten seasons. So so it's a lot of tea, a lot of telly. Um, but it's and I because I never watched it back in the day, and I was turned off because it's very it's very kiddie. It's very... It's teen melodrama, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of it. Mm. And But there are some good points. Like, there is actually an interesting mythology around Clark Kent and Krypton and all this stuff as it starts to un- un- unravel. But you get the odd, really great episode, and then you get a run of, oh, God. And they've, they've now taken to actually doing film plots. So there was a Fast and Furious episode. There was a Fatal Attraction there was the most blatant ripoff of the T-1000 you will ever see. <laughs> and now it's like we've just watched a Love Potion episode. So they're doing all the gimmicks and all the movie plots. Um, but it's quite fun. And and I on Twitter, I've been making comments about it on my Twitter feed. And the co-creator of Smallville, Miles Miller, tweeted me when I called season three, meh. And he went, meh, you say? And then I went, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's fine. Thanks for watching. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. And it passes the time. And, you know, Lois Lane has just turned up and she's gorgeous. So it's all good. Have any of you watched it? 
first four seasons, I think, and I just couldn't take any more. Well, that, this is the one that everyone says he's terrible. He's season four, so that <laughs> that makes sense. I just thought that's it for me. I'm out. I can't do it. Um, Believe it or not, I have actually watched Smallville. No. Yeah. Really. When it aired. All of it. I don't know what year. What year was that, Tony? It was. It started in 2001 and it ended in 2011, I think. Mm. I don't know how many seasons I got through. It was, I think it was on E4, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. It used to be on a lot, definitely. Yep. Um, I used to like the little dark, the dark-haired bird. Who plays Lana. That's her. Oh, yep. She is the most fucking annoying character in mm-hmm. the history mm-hmm. of television. She, I increasingly hate her every single season because she's just a knob. There is, there is no yeah. better way to, to to describe Lana Lang. And the actress playing is terrible. She just saps the life out of every scene she's in. Every time she turns up at Clark Kent's barn, I go, oh, for fuck's sake. We've had this conversation 25 times. Does Dean Kane turn up at any point? He, he, apparently, he, yeah. Because is isn't he in Supergirl as Supergirl's adopted Earth dad? I think so. They're all in it. Like I think Dean Kane turns up down the line. You've already had Christopher Reeve just before he died. Yeah, 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 and he's like he? crippled scientist because it's basically Christopher Reeve being wheeled in, and you know it is him really. He's playing it effect, and then um, Margot Kidder turned up in the episode in the episode that introduced Lois Lane in a, in a scene with Annette O'Toole who plays Martha Kent, who was Lana Lang in the original Superman film. So it was like, whoa, <laughs> and she was sent by Christopher Reeve's character. So it was all very. There's lots what, and lots of that. What they should have done with Supergirl, and they really missed a trick in making Dean Cain her Earth dad, because they could have just made him Superman in that. That would have been brilliant. He yeah. doesn't get enough work these days, does he? You, you say yeah. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> did it, well, actually, did any of you watch Lois and Clark? Because I, I, quite, I quite enjoyed that in the 90s when I was growing up. That, that was on the BBC, wasn't it? Tea time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, I've, I, I, I've seen some, but... I watched it enough to know what it is. I don't think I ever watched it religiously. Terry Terry Hatcher yes. pre Bond Girl, and then yes. Desperate yes. Housewives. Yeah, but it, that was very different to Smallville. That was a lot more romantic comedy, like moonlighting kind of thing. Whereas Smallville's, you know, yeah, WB CW teen action that is hilarious in many ways because there's so many little tropes like. The, the amount of, of trucks that get blown up, especially owned by like Clark Kent's mum and dad, is brilliant. You can do a tally of all kinds of things. We found one that's quite fun. Every time he he tries to understand something, he, he reads a book, and the book is always very blatantly called something different. So it's like, if he doesn't understand like what someone's going through mentally, the book will be called... The psychosis of the mind in the yeah, it's brilliant. And he just pans up with him reading this book going, hmm, it's great. There's lots of little things. It's fun. So it's worth it. It's worth watching. But you need to like devote a lot of time. Have it on in the background. What's the what's the name of the guy who plays uh Clark in it again? Tom Welling. Tom Welling. Have you seen him in anything else? Because the only thing I've seen him in is he was in um a couple of things. He was in the Fog remake, which was just the worst and I think he was in Parkland the oh. thing with um, uh, JFK's assassination no never and it had Zac Efron in it as well I think never. I know what you mean yeah well, no. I, I just I just looked up the last 
because I, I remember some, one of the music tracks they played in it, and that was the last season I watched. And I, I've seen up to and including season five, because they premiered the first single from Depeche Mode's album, Playing the Angel, uh, 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 at season five, first episode, which was precious. Ah. There you go, a little bit of trivia. Oh, cool. That's it, not watched it after that, though. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I, it really ten seasons. Ten seasons, and he, he, he apparently... It goes downhill quite a lot for a while, and then you get one good season at the end, and then the end, the finale is really bad, apparently. Uh, but this is what I'm being told, um, because they basically tried to do a Superman show in all but name, and th- for loads of reasons, he couldn't fly, he couldn't wear the suit, he wasn't allowed to do this, he wasn't allowed to fight this guy. But then they brought in all the villains, so like Brainiac's in it, Doomsday's in it, like you know, and you think just make a Superman show, but. But the, the the one of the best things about it is actually Clark Kent and Lex Luthor's relationship because Lex Luthor, the guy who plays Lex Luthor, is the best Lex Luthor ever. There yeah, is he no, is good. He's brilliant. There's no denying that. Every other Lex Luthor isn't as good as him, and it's a shame he never got to do it at the, at the movies actually because he'd have made a really if they if they'd have taken this and made a Superman film afterwards, it would have been really good actually. But well, <laughs> okay, I'll bow to your superior judgment. Well, I, I, for that one. I, I, simply for the fact that you would have been invested in it all. So, if you'd have watched all of Smallville for 10 years and seen his journey from being a little farm boy to discovering it all, his legacy, his, his destiny, and all this, and then you do a, a movie That's where Star Wars, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shit, they've already done it, yeah. Um, but that's just me, anyway. But it's good, watch it. And it's coming to Hulu soon, if anyone gets Hulu or can get Hulu. I don't know how that works in England. but You just use a DNS changer and you can get it. I, I get it. There we go. I don't even know what that is. You, pay, you, pay, you, you give some fella on the internet a couple of quid a month and uh, it tricks it into thinking that you, you are in the States and you can watch it. Ah, oh, like with Netflix. Oh, okay. Netflix, yeah. that doesn't work anymore. I only use it. I only keep mine because it does the football. <laughs> so you can watch Palace. I have, I, have a, I have an account with NBC Sports, and I have to have that switched on to to be able to log in and watch all the Premiership games. Hey, mate, you laugh, mate. Thirty quid a year, every game in HD. You know, that ain't uh, bad. No. Um, for more illegal tips, you can tweet Paul. At <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the views of Paul Field do not reflect that. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah. Paul. You're going to talk about a film from lesbians, isn't so, it? So, yeah, this week I saw The Handmaiden, uh, the new film from Park Chan-wook. Um, I'm going to put this straight out there. I think this is his best film to date. It's Whoa. based on a, a, a novel, actually, by a, a Welsh uh, lady called Sarah Waters called Fingersmith. And now, apparently, this was adapted by the BBC, um, I think about six, seven years ago. And it's a crime caper, it's a lesbian romp, and a little bit of a horror film, which you would kind of expect from from, uh, Park Chan-wook. It's a really small cast, there's like six people in it. You've got a a con man who gets his, uh, who's a pickpocket, gets his friend, who's another pickpocket, to become the maid to an heiress. And her job is to convince this heiress to fall in love with the con man. And he turns up uh, as this count who's going to teach her to paint. It sounds complicated, but it's, the story is, you know, it is quite simple. The, the twist occurs when the lady 
falls in love with the maid. And it kind of shows you their stories. Uh, it's a long film. Uh, there's a director's cut that's three hours. The theatricals thinks 240. And you get the, diff- the different timelines from different people's perspectives. And, and when you get to the, kind of the third one, it all unravels and you get this amazing reveal. I love a crime caper. And this is absolutely brilliant. The story alone is is amazing. And then to have Park Chan work kind of weave his magic is is really really beautiful looking film. The music's amazing. The cast are all absolutely fantastic. You even get some horror in the kind of final thirds and some you know horrendously grim stuff goes on. And what's been making the headlines is is the um, the lesbian action. Um, I've made some notes. There's some scissoring, um, some muff diving, some mutual <laughs> masturbation, and my favourite bit is popping vintage love eggs up each other's flu. Uh, and these things are metal. How did you have a free hand to well, take I know. <laughs> it's, it, it's proper pervy. There's a there's whole segments where the the main protagonist she is made to read. Um, from these erotic novels to groups of gentlemen who all sit there like twitching and grabbing their boners and stuff. It's really unsettling, really unnerving. Um, as with all Korean films, there's lots of kind of tonal shifts, but it all hangs together really, really well. And I can't recommend it enough. It's the best film I've seen this year. And for, and as I said, Park Chan-wook's best film, and he's made some absolute belters, including Old Boy, Lady Vengeance, Thirst, Stoker, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, JSA. I mean, he's never had a stinker, to be fair. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, head and shoulders above all of those. That's mm. a bold statement. That is really bold. I mean, I like. I think he does get better with each movie in terms of how he makes it. I mean, Thirst was fucking, mm-hmm. like, brilliant. First time I saw that, I was like, this is the best one. Um, the only one that I didn't think like that immediately followed the previous one that would be better would have been Stoker, which I did like a lot, but I don't necessarily think it bettered no. first. Um, but yeah, no, that's a pretty... That's, that's, that's a, I'm, I'm quite curious to see it. It's not out in the UK for a 28th long time. 28th of October. Yet, though, it? It's at the London Film Festival at the moment. Yeah. At, the, at the festival, yeah, but it hasn't got a general release no. over here. In the new release section this week, we have just got one film for you, and that is Blair Witch. No, we've not gone in the time machine and gone back to whenever it was the original was out, because that was the Blair Witch Project. This is just Blair Witch, and the second sequel, although many people are ignoring the first sequel, um, Book of Shadows, because it was awful, and it picks up a fair few years after the events of the original film, where the main character from that film's brother goes off in hunt for her in the woods where she went missing because somebody found and uploaded the videotape from that event. Does that sound about yeah. right? Yeah, basically they're returning to Burkittsville to find that guy's sister who was the woman from the original. That's essentially the, like the, the the synopsis in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, people go missing again. People, they get stuck in the woods. It, it, it's really frustrating 
because I want to like it so much, but I just didn't. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the way it was filmed. I thought the idea of sticking... Because uh, it still retains phone footage as the um, presentation of yeah. the film. So the the fact that they've got head cams as literally just like a camera stuck to the head. So every time they just wobble their head slightly, the camera's all over the place. Made me feel sick. Um, I mean, it probably didn't help I was eating a big bag of pick-a-mix at the time and felt sick. But uh, yeah, the, the, the shakiness <laughs> of the camera was, was too overbearing. I didn't like the plot. I thought it was a beat-for-beat beat remake, um, except it seemed to lack any of the ingenuity. Um, I also didn't like the fact that... Uh, and I, maybe we should just have a warning right now. There may be mild spoilers, okay? There's probably... Because it's, it's, there's nothing in this film until you get to, like, the last 20 minutes. Um... So there's your little warning. I'll give you a few seconds to switch off now while I ramble on if you don't want to hear any more. But seeing the Blair Witch was a big no-no for me. I, th- I think the fact they set it up so they tell you, oh yeah, she was tied to a... Rumours are she was tied to a tree, left in the woods to die from exposure and had rocks tied to her feet and arms to stretch her egg like she was on a fucking rack a torture rack, and then later on you see this thing slinking about. This is just... This is stupid. This is not... It's not meant to be a monster movie. And they they try to turn it into a creature feature. It's so generic. And... it. I mean... I'm disappointed on a number of levels. I'm disappointed because it's... um, A sequel to Blair Witch in name and plot only. That's, that's about it. There's... It's not really a successor to it. It's not really capturing the same um, essence of the Blair Witch Project. It's just phone footage film 101. You've also got the, the, the thing that really disappointed me. I'm not really bothered about that. If it's not a spiritual successor to the Blair Witch Project, I can get over that because I was thinking, well... At least it's being written by Simon Barrett and directed by Adam Wingard, whose previous two films have been so full of atmosphere and really fucking good. Your Next and The Guest are two really good films. And the fan footage stuff they've tried in uh, the VHS movies and in the ABCs of Death um, has worked. They've been some, some, well, Q is for quack in one of the ABCs of Death was a bit shit. But the others have been good that they've worked on. Um, so I was thinking, at least if it comes to it, I will enjoy it on some level. But even that just fell really flat for me. I was reading about that one of the characters... I will show up in a minute and give everyone else a chance to speak. But there was one character in it, who, or two characters who they introduce, who are basically the Burkittsville residents. And they're the ones who, they, who join the party and show them where they found the videotape. Apparently, the reason they put those in there was because they were worried that the previous film didn't have enough of um, a mix of the characters. So it was all basically three documentarians who went in the woods and went missing. So they wanted to bring people from the actual area into it. And I was sitting there thinking, when I was reading this, like, did they not, did they not watch the original? Didn't they get the whole fact that the first act in the Blair Witch Project is them exploring the mythology of the town, literally speaking to people who are in Burkittsville? This didn't have any of that. There was no identity to the place. It could have been any woods, anywhere in the world. Um, 
So I think all in all, it was very disappointing. And we said at the start of the show, it's probably going to be quite divisive. Um, I think I already know what Paul's opinion will be. But Tony, you may have a differing opinion on this film to me. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In short. Yeah. Um, let me preface this by saying that two things. One, it's not anywhere near as good as the Blair Witch Project. Okay. The Blair, I think the Blair Witch Project is a masterpiece, and I don't use that word lightly, actually. I think it's a masterpiece of fa- of horror, and or, or not so much horror, more chiller. I think it's you could put it up there with The Shining and with, with all those kind of films that really get into your skin, under your skin and you can never forget them. Mm-hmm. And I, I would stand by that for the rest of my life. This film isn't obviously that good. Right? It was never going to be that good. The other thing is that the re- one of the reasons I love the Blair Witch Project so much is because of that mythology that you mentioned. Because it's got this incredible underlying mythology that if you look into it, I mean, I've said before, whether I've said it on this podcast, I don't know. But I think the, the, document, the fake documentary that went alongside the movie called The yes. Curse of the Blair Witch is scarier than the film. And it's brilliantly done, actually. And it's, it's it's set in different time periods and it tells the whole story of the Blair Witch, Ellie Kedwood, all the way up through 250 years to the point where we get to the 1990 film. And it's fantastic. And it really, if you watch that alongside the movie, it grounds you in it and it, gives you, it chills you even more. This film definitely does live in that mythology. And I think what I liked about it even more than the fact that, yeah, it is it is a generic fan footage horror, but it was always going to be because we live in a generic fan footage horror world. You know, there isn't a fat lot more to do with this medium now. You know, The Blair Witch Project well, was only the second film to, well, one of the second films to really do this and break out at the time. You had the last broadcast about a year before. But I, I know you had a lot of other stuff before then, you know. Well, you had stuff like Man Bites Dog, yeah. which was, you know, another mockumentary type thing. You had um, Alien Abduction, uh, whatever it is, incident in Lake County, or what I think it's called, which is which is okay, but it's obviously like at the very beginnings. Like obviously, then you go back to things like Cannibal yeah. Holocaust. You can go even further back to stuff like Peeping Tom from 1960, which is Michael Powell's film. Yeah, you do you do have that, but in terms of of what we call found footage horror, and I use that word, I, I did put that in quote marks because I use that word lightly, because I think the two best examples of it post Blair Witch. Well, post the nineties, which is Blair Witch and the first Paranormal Activity, not the rest. They're not horror films. I don't think. I wouldn't classify them as horror films. Now, I think that the that Blair Witch. I think to to judge, try and judge it on those terms is unfair because the first Blair Witch Project is, like I say, seminal. You know, it it, it changed. It yeah, it changed filmmaking in some respects or cer- a certain aspect of filmmaking. Whether you like whether you like it or not. And this is the argument I've been having with people for nearly 20 years. It doesn't matter whether you find it scary or not. And a lot of people don't, you know. It, 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 regardless, it, the fact is it changed an element of cinema. This film wasn't going to do that. But I think why I liked it, one of the main reasons I liked it is because I'm immersed in that mythology and I'm immersed in the story. And I've been wanting to see what happens next for nearly 20 years. And I've been waiting for uh, Ed, Daniel... Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, who made the first film, to make this film. Well, no, that's obviously, they haven't in the end. I know they're, they're involved in the producing of it. But I've been waiting years for this. So I was, I was hyped. When I found out this was happening a few months ago, I was fucking stoked. This, this be- <laughs> immediately became my film of the year. So I went into it with that, admittedly. So I was always going to enjoy this. 
And I think why why it works is because it does have that mythology. And what it does, it brings you up to date on all the bits. And that's why the characters of Lane and I think it's Tanya, I think those are the two Burkittsville people. That's why they're there, really, to provide that that clue in to what happened in the first film. And then it takes all the things that the first film suggested, and again, spoilers, but time loops, problems with paradoxes, the whole idea of, you know, arcane symbology, the idea that potentially there's some kind of dimension warping shit going on here, all that stuff, which the first film very lightly hinted at, it takes and it runs with, and it does new things with it, and it suggests new things. I came out of this film, I wasn't particularly terrified all the way through. I did jump every now and then, but I came out of it with about 50 new questions, and I love that. And I, I do agree that I think Ness, I, I think showing the Blair Witch as a big lumbering you know, monster creature thing wasn't the greatest idea. But again, I understand why they did it, because you can't just make the first film again. And I, and, I, and I think if they if Adam Wingard had tried to just make the Blair Witch again, and yeah, you're right, it is a beat for beat story wise, it's very similar. But that mm-hmm. that I think that's kind of the point, really, in terms of the lead character's journey, in that he's trying to find his sister, and you know it was always going to end up at that house. It was it was always going sorry spoilers, but it was always going to end up there, yeah. right? And but it's what happens in that house that deepens that mythology and takes it into new areas. And and I think if you, the only way you're going to enjoy this film is if you, if you're okay with that and you can run with that and you can accept that. And because otherwise I think it's very well done, but otherwise it is just a found footage horror film. I have to kind of respectfully disagree. Well, I think fine. about the bit with the house, because I think the, the point about the house is it's inevitable that it gets to that bit. Because the rest of the film is just a stopgap until they get to that point. It feels like the whole... Everyone knows this house is there. Everyone knows the characters are trying to get to the house. And then they spend a great deal of time in the house. What made the first film scary at that point was it was just like, fuck, there's this random house that they've just come across. There was like smeared bloody handprints on the walls. And it takes like five minutes in that house. It's a very little bit of the film at the very end, yeah, but all, which all, is the most memorable. But all of that was there, though. All of that was there, though. In in the in the all that the early scene with Bert, the Burkittsville residents. It's all they talk about it all. You know that was Rustin Parr's house where yeah, yeah, he killed yeah, the kids. Was. All that yeah. is already mentioned, so it's not exactly you know. This, but this is just like a, a bit at the end, which is meant to be like a haunted house thing, and you've got little girls running around the rooms, climbing and like disappearing when they go through doorways and. Things slamming shut and windows smashing. Oh, for fuck's sake! This is just, this is, this is bad. This bit of the film. I that's what was going through my mind. And I was looking. Over, I did a quick look around the cinema uh, to see if anyone was jumping, at it, and no, nobody looked scared. And I just thought, how do they? How did they get this bit of the film so wrong? I don't think it built on any mythology. I just think it was the the point of the film that they. That was the only thing that they wanted to make in this um paul i did preempt what i thought your opinion might be what do you think this film did right or wrong i mean what's what's your kind of lingering opinion of of blair witch um i look around the cinema like you did owen and from the start to the end you could have heard a pin drop nobody made a sound now i I hate going to see horror films at the cinema because all the mouth breathers start screaming and go, ah! 
And in, you know, we talked about this the other week. Trying, you know, one-upmanship with their friends, making you know more and more and more noise. I, I think I said this on Twitter, and I know Tony disagreed that this is by far and away the worst film I've seen this year. And um, I don't want to spring this on you, and you can cut this out if you want. But I've got a little quiz. <laughs> so Owen and Tony. <laughs> You can go up against Steve, who could early doors actually get to see Killer Bitch earlier than you thought, because the quiz is called Bitch or Witch. Oh, my Lord. So, (laughs) which films are these reviews from? They're either from Bitch or Witch. Absolutely awful. One of the ugliest movies you'll ever see. Is that bitch or witch? Bitch. Oh, I think that's bitch. It's got to be bitch. Yeah, yeah. We'll say bitch, I think. Nausea-provoking camera work, cacophonous sound design and incoherent editing assault the senses non-stop. The only thing that could make watching this movie more unpleasant is if Usher's tasered viewers at random intervals. Witch. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's got to be be witch. Yeah, I think that's witch. A profanity-provoking session of epic proportions. Which? Oh, that's... I think that's Killer Bitch. What do you think, Tony? Killer Witch. I'm going to go for both. <laughs> Come on. I'll, I'll say Killer Bitch. I, that provoked many profanities from me. The, the acting and filmmaking are too crude to make you care about what happens, even though you know pretty much exactly what that will be. Bitch. Mm, I think Witch. I, I have I, no clue I what think was happening I, in Killer Bitch at any point. I... I think witch, yeah, with that one. <laughs> Awful on an epic scale. These are all from like broadsheets or horror magazines, by the way. These are not like off blogs or anything. So Bitch. awful on an epic scale. Bitch. Oh, I, I'll let you choose, Tony. I don't know. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. We're going to get these all wrong. I mean, I'm <laughs> Tedious in its early going and all but unwatchable in its final half hour. The movie feels interminable at a barely feature length 89 minutes. Uh, I think that's Witch. Witch. Yeah. Claire Witch. Witch. There's no, there's no acts to kill a bitch. It doesn't have a first, second and third act. It's just a mess of scenes. All right, last one. Avoid this film at all costs. If you later find that any of your friends or family actually like this movie, then we suggest you disassociate yourself from them and avoid them at all costs, as they will only disappoint you somewhere down the line. I hope that's bitch. Oh, yeah, I hope it's bitch too. (laughs) Steve? Bitch. Right. Well, for fuck's sake. The answer is they are actually all... Reviews of the Blair Witch. No. I knew it. I knew it. I knew that they are all reviews of the Blair Witch from like either um, broadsheets or respected horror magazines like Starburst and stuff. The Guardian's in there. Unfortunately, you both you both went for bitch four <laughs> times, <laughs> and it was three all in the end. And I've got a tie break. <laughs> The point being that they were all yeah. reviews of the Blair Witch, and all of them, especially one that talks about the sound design, it was horrendous. <laughs> Two characters bang together, you get this huge boom with this massive static around it. There's a thunderstorm going on at the end in the house. They just close the door no- normally. Again, it has this huge boom and this like, huge <laughs> static. I just found it horrendous. That alone pulled me out of it. And 
the worst offence of all, the thing that had me rolling my eyes out my sockets before it had even got going, was when they walked round the woods and, oh no, they're back at the place they started. I mean, please, just no. I, That's I a just... reference to the original, yeah, I think. Th- this, this, this is the thing. There are lots of things in this film that are placed there for people who really bought into the first film. You know, there, there are things that may seem like, you know, shitty little plot decisions or... or st- it's, it's all building on what we saw in the first place. And while it's not obviously as good, and I do, I do agree... Honestly, I think in in a year where we've had films like 13 Hours, the secret fucking Bengali thing from Michael Bay, or Precious Cargo with Bruce Willis, or Warcraft, how this can be considered worse is beyond me. It really is. Because this, this, for what it was, this was perfectly good. And if and you're only, I think you're only really, really going to get into it like I have if you're such a massive Blair Witch fan. And you know, I know you're a big fan of Owen, mm-hmm. and you haven't. So this is where it this is where it differs. Yeah, I, I mean, I am a huge Blair Witch fan, like you. It's one of my favourite films. I I can watch it again now and still enjoy it. I don't mind that the first bit of the film, well, not even the first bit of the film's really good. The middle of the Blair Witch is a little bit sort of slower paced, but I like that about it. I like that it takes its time. Um, this didn't pace itself well. The the scares were generic. Uh, so many times it just went boo, and it's just like fuck off. Seriously, it was. But they weren't even visual boos. They were just audio oh, yeah, boos. like <laughs> yeah. Like, touched her arm and suddenly, <laughs> and then the, the, yeah. then the, the microphone, and it was just like it wasn't. It just didn't do anything for me. And I really went into this with a positive mindset, thinking, oh, I like these guys. I like their their work. I love the Blair Witch Project. I love fame footage films as a sort of subgenre. This is going to be for me totally, and I just sat there completely underwhelmed. Uh, I don't. I didn't like it. The characters, even. I mean, at least in um, the original, you didn't have to like the characters because they were just kind of um, supposed to be like real people doing stuff. Whereas this, there were actors with a script. And the only two I liked were the two they brought in, the two locals. Yes, I would. I wanted to see more of them. However, the fact that they turned them into this like grave encounters esque couple who just get just just, just stranded, and there was a bit with the the um the woman from Burkittsville when they snap um one of those um effigies, which was quite good. That came out of nowhere, and was it? Guys, not to piss on your chips. But most people listening to this are only interested in one man's opinion. Steve? <laughs> it's, it's getting to the stage now where having bought a Cine, Cineworld Unlimited card, you can justify walking out of films. Oh, really? Ouch. Did you did you walk? I mean, it was... It, no, I didn't, but mm-hmm. I thought I'd see it out. But, yeah, it's it was just... It's not garbage. It's not... You know, it's not terrible, but it's just dull and yes. predictable mm-hmm. and just a step-by-step remake of the original which sometimes works because let's face it that's mm-hmm. what the force awakens was and creed as well creed was just rocky again yeah and um, creed yeah but but for this it didn't and perhaps because it's a horror film so you're expecting jumps and scares but if you're going to remake the original one you're not really going to get jumps and scares because you know what's going to happen or you have an idea of what's going to happen or where they're going to come from so yeah just a very mm-hmm. Bland. The point about it being, mm. um, a, you know, the fact that they they can't make it completely original, 
Um, it's fair, you know, and it's as Tony said, it's a good, it's a good defense for it in a way because if they'd have done exactly the same thing again, they'd get, they'd have been slated. If they'd have completely changed the tone and script, and there was there was nothing recognizable from the first, you know, basically book of shadows, then they would have been slated. But then by the at the same time. It just wasn't distinct enough. The thing about the original was it was unpredictable. And that might have just been because it was new, a new type of film. Um, but the beats in that was so off kilter that it made it this tense adventure of horror films. And yet this one was predictable from start to finish. I knew exactly what was going to spo- happen at each point. Well, I suppose my question really, and... He's, he's basically, and I don't say this with any sort of, you know, defense, because I completely respect your opinion on this, but what did you want from it? You know, because this is the big thing. If, if, if you agree that they can't just remake the original, and if this is too much, you know, noisy millennial found footage bollocks, then what, where did you want it to sit in the middle of that? I didn't. I, it didn't need to be made. Yeah, it, it, it didn't need to exist. The only reason for this to exist is to scare your 12-year-old sister. Because <laughs> there ain't nobody else going to be scared mm. by it. It's not. I actually try, I tried to get my son to come along. I said, you've not seen the original. And, and afterwards, he said, well, what was it like? I said, well, it's terrible, but you'd have loved it and mm. you'd have been scared out of your mind. Maybe that's it then. It's just for a new audience of horror fans who've grown up with it as a being... Well, not grown up with it. It's, it's for fans who haven't grown up with it. That's the point. The, what... Which are we talking about? Blair Witch or the... the... The remake, the one we just... Yeah. You think this is made for people who haven't grown up with? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the I only s- people I who are going to be scared saying. by it... Oh, I see. My 15-year-old yeah. son yeah. Yeah. hasn't seen the original, Sorry. doesn't like horror films. If he saw this, it would absolutely terrify him. Mm. I've, see, I've seen so many indie, low-budget... um, Like... Lower budget than this. I think this was, what, $5 million, something like that? I mean, I'm talking micro-budget phone footage films that we get sent from October Coast as pre-release copies. And it's, you know, even those I've seen have been on a comparable quality to Blair Witch. I just don't know what it did. And what I wanted from it was an atmospheric, chilling uh, film. And I thought that's what I was going to get with Adam Wingard in control of direction and Simon Barrett writing, but it it wasn't. It wasn't that. They made. They've been on Twitter today and owned up that it's it ain't good. It's just a Lionsgate horror. That's all it is. I was surprised. I actually thought it'd be a PG thirteen in the states, but it is an R because they they shoehorn some body horror in for no reason. Yeah. Which is the the best scene in it? Yeah. (laughs) I think I think what I'd say is. Because I can't, I can't defend the fact it's not particularly scary. You know, it, made, it did make me jump occasionally, but very basically, I can't. I, I have to agree with that. But I think for anyone, I think yeah, it's pitched for the younger crowd. But I think anyone who really, on the whole, really liked the first one and liked what it, what the story was, and liked what it was trying to do, I think I would recommend you see it. Because I think you might get from it what I got from it, because I got a different experience than than you guys. So I, I would, I would do it for that reason. Although nobody's gone to see it apparently, it's crashed and bombed from what I've heard. So you know that disappoints me. I was hoping that because I don't, what I don't want it to do is kill Adam Wingard. And no, Paris me neither. <laughs> I, I, as you said earlier, Owen, I love 
the guest. I mean, mm-hmm. love it so much that I bought both of the, the – there are two. There's a soundtrack and an original sort of score of, from, from the oh, film, right. and I've bought – both of them at great expense from America on vinyl and fancy coloured vinyl and stuff. I genuinely thought that film was amazing. And I really I've got wanted the guest to enjoy the original this. motion picture soundtrack. I bought that not too long back. What, on a CD? Um, no, on Google Play. On MP3. a download? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't cost 60 quid. <laughs> no, it did not. I got it with discount. <laughs> Um, anyway, shall we um, move on to our recommendations for the week ahead? Sure. Okay, well, I'm going to start off with, on Netflix, um, the film Boyhood has gone on to there. Oh, that's fucking boring. <laughs> I think it's worth seeing, even if you only see it once. It's, yeah, that's that's what I would say as well. Uh, Owen, what are you going to tell people to watch? Uh, well, talking of atmospheric horrors, uh, on the Horror Channel on Saturday at 9pm is the original The Wicker Man. With Edward Ooh, Woodward, yeah. Christopher Lee, just folk horror at its best, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Brilliant Tony? film. Um, sticking with TV, uh, on Netflix, Hannibal Season 1 has just popped up. Um, so if you haven't seen Hannibal, then what are you doing with your life? Because it's brilliant, especially Season 2. So when that pops up, which hopefully it will, the Season 2 finale of Hannibal is one of the best hours of television I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, check it out because it's fab. Well, they they cancelled it, so I just binned it off. <laughs> they made three seasons. They made three. They? they made three seasons. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Um, I'm gonna recommend. Uh, it's actually a new release. Um, which is on Amazon Prime Video, called uh, I guess it's on iTunes as well, called All Out Dysfunction. Um, which is a really what appears at first glance to be a comedy, but turns out to be a really horrendously dark, twisted tale about five kind of narcissistic roommates who um, one of them tries to host a party and ends up bribing all the other housemates and they end up chloroforming the landlady and things spiral out of control massively. So if you if you kind of like a dancey rave film where everything goes horribly tits, I, I, thought, I thought it was amazing, really, really good. Okay, well that is all for this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back next week, me, Owen, with, with Brooker, and is there anyone else? Just us three. No, Liam Owen. is on as well. And Liam, as we do a triple build based around Westerns as the new Magnificent Seven is out. Owen's um, going to wank over John Wayne. Oh, constantly. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, in the interim between this one and the next one, you can always go and listen to underground night as we plugged at the top of the show and yes thank you all for listening once again the failed critics podcast is presented by steve norman and owen hughes created by james diamond with original music provided by kevin mcleod of incompetech.com remixed by james yule of jamesyule.com you can find us at failedcritics.com on Twitter at Failed Critics and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Failed Critics. Thanks for listening. Anyone want a break before we do new film? How about Paul talks about mm. Handmaiden? There's Lezzers, Steve. Lots of lezzing.
Well, I'm in. Talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah, this week I... Do you want to intro it properly yeah, so when then, I Steve. edit it? Paul, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to talk about a film with some lesbians in it. I am, Steve. <laughs> I know you're a big, <laughs> big fan. I'm not doing it again, Owen. You can just leave that in. <laughs> deal, with, deal with it. <laughs> 